0: Welcome to the Lexington Public Library's Tales from the Kentucky Room podcast, where we discuss everything Lexington and Fayette County history. I'm Miriam, and in each episode of this podcast, we will feature a guest that will share a piece of local history. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. At the time we recorded this podcast, it would be about two weeks since a deadly string of tornadoes hit western Kentucky. On the evening of Friday, December 10th, and into the early hours of Saturday, this storm would leave a path of destruction in the city of Mayfield, Kentucky, and the surrounding areas. Cleanup efforts are still ongoing, and the loss of lives reached 76 people. It is an event that will change the lives of many families and displace people from their land, an unfortunate coincidence with this particular podcast episode. Today on the podcast, we welcome Kentucky author Jane Moore Waldrop. She is the author of Retracing My Steps, a finalist in the New Women's Voices Chatbook series in Pandemic Lent, A Season in Poems. Her most recent work tells the story of the families and individuals that were displaced by the mid-20th century federal project of the damming up of Cumberland and Tennessee rivers. This project would result in the creation of what we know of today as Land Between the lakes. The two lakes, Kentucky Lake and Lake Barkley, surround the beautiful National Recreation Park for the enjoyment of millions of people, but their recreation buried towns and communities long since forgotten. And that is the backdrop of Waldrop's first fiction work, Ground Town. Thank you so much for joining us, Jane, for this podcast. So before we start on what I had planned, uh-huh. this book is, is very serendipitous as, as to what's happening in Western Kentucky right now. You know, it hasn't been too long since the tornadoes hit in Western Kentucky. Right. Um, and your book is is about that area. Can you talk to us a little bit about what recent events have, right. I guess, spoken to the book or the book has spoken to, uh, you know, what's
1: what's happening now. Right. Since I grew up in western Kentucky and we still have family there. My in fact my husband is from Mayfield and his family's still in Mayfield. So this has been a really tragic event. The Western Kentucky looks very different than it did even two weeks ago. And my book, Drowntown, is about places that are lost. In quite different ways. I mean, this was a natural disaster uh, with the tornadoes. But Drown Town is about those lost places that um, were taken when Kentucky Lake, Lake Barkley, and Land Between the Lakes were created. So the geography and landscape of Western Kentucky changed a lot in the 20th century with these signs of progress in many ways with the dams and rural electrification and all of those progressive events. But I do worry that Western Kentucky has has suffered a major change again, a major environmental change, a change in its landscape. And I think it will be years for it to recover. We were down there last weekend. We were down in Mayfield, and we also stopped by land between the lakes, which was also hit by the tornado and the loss of property and home and place um and also the loss of the of trees was so noticeable, especially in land between the lakes, but also in the in the city landscapes in mayfield, and I'm sure. Uh, Dawson Springs and Bremen and Casey and all these towns that were devastated by the tornadoes, things are going to look different for a long time. And I think there is certainly the will and uh, the strength and the support from the rest of Kentucky and the rest of the country to support that as, um, as it is reclaimed and rebuilt.
0: Yeah, definitely. So you said that your family is from Western Kentucky. Give us a little bit of background about you. I know that you are a lawyer by trade. I am.
1: How did you start writing? I grew up in Paducah. I was born and raised in Paducah. My family, though, is from Eastern Kentucky. So they were displaced Appalachians. They left Eastern Kentucky during another economic downturn in the coal industry, and decided, and for other personal reasons, just decided to strike out and go uh, to Western Kentucky. So many Appalachians did that uh, after World War II, and so many of them went north, though to Michigan or Ohio. There are a lot of displaced Appalachians in the north who more uh, industrial settings. But my family went to Western Kentucky, so that's another reason I identify with the people who were displaced by the projects or the lakes, the dams and land between the lakes. I I think there's a yearning for home when you are a displaced person Um, and there's a longing. And I saw that in my parents. They never, they, they built a good life in Paducah and never returned to live in Eastern Kentucky but there was still that feeling that home is this other place you know there's sort of a disconnect and also just that love of from young memories of being in in the mountains as a, a child of
0: immigrants i see that yearning in my parents eyes as well you know for my family For political reasons, they they moved to America, and I saw that a lot. They were able to go back home just recently, and it's there's still that yearning because it's you know that return is is different. You're returning to a completely different landscape, a completely
1: different uh, dynamic. There's still that yearning. I saw that in my parents also. They would return, and it was so different that they were. Outsiders there when they went back because of the changes that they had experienced in a new life that they had built.
0: Yeah. And you see that in Cam, your main character in this book, when she describes her parents, the premise is that they go back to their hometown when Cam decides to get married mm-hmm. in her hometown. But, you know, and it's a reflection on the past. So the book, of course, is about Cam's wedding and how all these people kind of get together in this one place that kind of connects them, but they all have different reactions and different stories and different experiences around land between the lakes.
1: I wanted to show that um, uh, lots of different perspectives because, you know, there's no one story when people are displaced. And um, so I wanted to show lots of different viewpoints. And that's one of the reasons I have several different characters telling this story. Yeah. So who inspired Cam in your life? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, she's sort <laughs> of an amalgam of, you know, many good friends I've had in my life, you know, and what what you value in a friendship. She and Margaret are sort of opposites. Margaret is definitely the anti-hero. She goes through her own evolutions and changes and transformations she and Cam have sort of a yin and yang kind of friendship as, as though opposites attract. And Cam is a very um, genuine down to earth person and who loves nature, who loves being outdoors. Um, just a complete lack of pretense in this character. And, but she also, you know, she's no lightweight. she, she tells Margaret what she needs to tell her. She's not, uh, you know, it's a real friendship and it's a back and forth that, you know, I have one especially good friend in my life that I've been friends with her since college. And I'm not saying either of us or, you know, Cam or Margaret, it's not necessarily autobiographical, but there's a yin and yang, you know, we bring different traits to the table. And, um, and it's through this friendship that I think through relationships, we sort of figure out who we are. Exactly,
0: exactly. It's not just the place that we're in. I actually want to read a little excerpt from the book that kind of really touched me. And I really think that it encompasses what your book is about. And it's when Margaret kind of has an introspection about Land Between the Lakes and how she reacted to it. So on page 40, it is, it was hard on people around here. Some never got over it, Lowell said. Margaret wondered if the Weatherfords had. For years, Margaret would listen to their stories, but she never understood the depth of their bitterness. She viewed the area with the eyes of a weekend visitor who arrived long after the dams were built. The towns were flooded, and the last resident moved out to make way for LBL, as they all now called Land Between the Lakes. As a tourist, she didn't have to see beyond the scenery. After the government had decided what was needed in western Kentucky and Tennessee, Margaret and others like her became beneficiaries of the actions. She swam in the lakes and biked the LBL trails without much reflection on who had been there before or what was sacrificed to provide this place for her, the weekend visitor. Privately, she applied the successive decisions designed to transform the area into a destination, but she never told the Weatherfords how she felt. She didn't want to insult the people who had hosted her, accepted her, treated her like a daughter. She loved them so much so that her younger self wondered if she should take up their bitterness and carry it as a sign of her loyalty to them. She had tried, and she found she couldn't sustain any meaningful level of regret that the lakes had been created. In its current form, the area was interwoven with her dearest memories, including Robert. He had loved it too. And I read this because I had visited Land Between the Lakes with my children the year before the pandemic hit, and we loved it. And we We decided that this is definitely a place that we would want to return, not knowing the history of Land Between the Lakes until I read your book. And so, like it's it's been such a benefit to a lot of Kentuckians. It's a it's a, a go to place when you want a staycation, and it's a really fun place. But it came at a high price that I think a lot of people don't realize. Uh, it took away the homes of people. People had to move and kind of make home
1: at another place that was foreign to them. Right, and right, and most people didn't move that far. The diaspora wasn't that far for most of them. They stayed in the region. But it was a high price for them. Many of their families had been on their property for a couple hundred of years, so that's a that's a big price. Of course, they can return there. Unlike the people whose homes were flooded by the lakes, those places are you know irretrievably lost. But I think it was a high price, and I also think that um, not that many people understand that that know that history of Western Kentucky. And as people get older, the ones who actually were moved out, forced out, as they get older and are passing, uh, I think it's important to acknowledge this history and acknowledge that loss.
0: Yeah, definitely. And your book is also
1: written from a multi-perspective point of view from several Mm -hmm.
0: different characters with a unique experience that is linked to this one event So why was it important for you to show the different reactions
1: to this one event? Well, I think there are some excellent histories of what happened in in Western Kentucky. I didn't really want to tell just a historical piece. And that's one of the reasons I decided to go with historical fiction, so that I could um, envision the emotional impact for, for these characters. And I wanted to tell it from a lot of different perspectives because many different types of people were impacted um, by these changes. As you you know, there is a prisoner in the Kentucky State Penitentiary who's watching the water as it comes up after the dam was completed. There is a land appraiser who realizes that in appraising property and appraising home places That had been in families for generations, that it was more than just the objective facts and figures that he was used to dealing with. And that was a, a realization for him.
0: Yeah. Interestingly, that particular character reminded me, uh, my father worked for the USDA and he used to inspect uh, people's trees down in Florida when they he worked where he worked. And so if somebody had an orange tree, for example, that was diseased, he would have to tear it down, an order to tear it down or pull it out so that it doesn't affect the other trees. So, you know, sometimes like he'll go into somebody's home. One particular gentleman, he tells me the story, said that his wife had planted that tree and she had passed away recently. And he said, I really pray and hope that you'll never tell me that I have to tear it down. And my father said, at that point, he he realized if he did have to tell him what he would, he asked himself, "What, what would you do? Thankfully, he didn't have to. But I mean, he would, he would have if it was diseased. So it's very, you know, sometimes you kind of have to weigh
1: the benefits and the sacrifice. Of- and you see the value in a different light. That's an interesting comparison. Exactly. That's something I is, didn't know is, about. Yeah.
0: And also when I actually, one of my coworkers told me, she also read this book. I got a couple oh, of coworkers great. onto the book. <laughs> she told me that her grandfather worked the dams okay. in between the lakes. And she said, you know, he was, you know, just an uneducated man, got the opportunity to work for the Army Corps and and build these and be able to feed his large family. And it provided such a great opportunity for him. But at the same time, it's like there's a lot of people that were harmed by it.
1: Yes. And those benefits were great to Western Kentucky. You know, the number of jobs created, the fact that, you know, there was year round navigation to the inland waterways, electrification you know, all those are really important and, and really helped bring up Western Kentucky because of, you know, a solid economic base, which improves schools and, you know, just the way of life. But again, it's, it's, and it's not to say that those decisions were wrong at all. I I certainly wouldn't want anyone to think that, but, you know, just the acknowledgement of the sacrifice, I think is really important for us to all do as humans to 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 see to step into other people's shoes.
0: Definitely, no. This book is definitely not to say wrong or right. It's just a matter of fact. Good.
1: I hope it comes across like that because yeah.
0: Oh yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. You see that? I guess the human. The human factors of each event. So I think it, it kind of it helps put things into perspective, and helps you understand what's going on currently um, in our in our country. Most definitely, yeah. Your connection to your own hometown. Um, how does that influence your writing? Um, do you sometimes like to go visit your hometown? when you're writing? or
1: Well, and I do. I, I do. And my hometown is not on the lakes. It's on the Ohio and Tennessee rivers. So it's very much a place of rivers and water. But I think growing up there, in some ways, I t- because all of this was done either before I was born or when I was a really young child. So I didn't really have the uh, the knowledge as an adult to figure out, you know, the loss and the sacrifice. I just again like Margaret in some ways I was a beneficiary of this place and growing up in a place that has these opportunities to be outdoors to have all this access to this beautiful landscape and I think that's been a had played a, a huge role in my writing you know because I think I I try to to note the environmental side of any story, of any place, the landscape, nature, are all very important in my writing. And home is very important in my writing, I think, as it is in my life. Yes, it's home has become important for exactly. a lot of us um,
0: during this hard time. And as we reconnect to our home, yes. not just the walls
1: of our home, but The refuge, the the shelter and, you know, and during the last two years, we have certainly felt that with the pandemic of having a safe place. And that's what is so heartbreaking about these tornadoes that have hit Western Kentucky, because so many people are are now without a home uh, or such a significantly damaged home that it's going to be a long time before that returns to normal. And I just really feel for them.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. It's very hard watching what's going on over there on the news. And you kind of hope that they're able to, you know,
1: come out of it stronger and better. And Right. So much loss, just so much loss. And that's one of the things I wanted to tell in my book is that, you know, there are many different kinds of loss in the book. You know, on the personal level, on the level of place and home, and I guess the ability to keep going to see the transformation, the change that comes with with loss. I think it's an important part of life, but I think that the 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 thing I've noticed in the last ten days after the tornadoes is the response, and I think. The rest of the country feels so strong uh, and has, has offered up some amazing support to Western Kentucky, and that is greatly appreciated, as well as the state and federal government have stepped in to do what governments are supposed to do, which is to help people in within these kinds of circumstances. Yes, yes. And
0: that's that's what kind of eases the pain of watching this is definitely the the people that have been so supportive to fellow Kentuckians. And it's really, really
1: heartwarming and so willing to be there and so willing to give. And that is of all the things that, you know, that you'd want in response to this kind of event. You know, it's they're showing up in some beautiful ways. That is a beautiful thing to see. So Silas
0: House, the great yes. Silas, Silas House, worked with you. Yes, on this project. What was it like working with him? He he seems like a wonderful human being in general, but a,
1: just a fantastic. author. He is. Yeah. He is. Yeah. That's you've kind of summed him up the uh, same way I would sum him up. It was pretty much a dream come true as a writer to have someone like Silas who writes so well about this part of the world and about the people who live here, and he writes in such a genuine way about people that, uh, and in a very respectful, authentic kind of way, you know, people have, you know, their, their good sides, bad sides, all sides, you know, so I think authentic writing is really important. So, Silas is the new editor of Fireside Industries, which is an imprint of the University of Kentucky, University Press of Kentucky, and in partnership with the Hyman Settlement School, which has a long tradition of literary accomplishment and standards from James Still and Gurney Norman and George Ella Lyon and Silas House. You know, there's a great tradition there. So, Silas is the new editor. He selected my book for publication and recommended it to the press. And so it, it's just been a wonderful experience working with him. He is, I can't think of a, a better editor for a Kentucky book of fiction.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you, and thank you to Silas House for choosing <laughs> thank for choosing this book
1: to be published.
0: It has been a treat for for us, and for me particularly. For a lot of my coworkers that were reading this oh, book, oh great! Along. Thank you, that is so appreciated. What are you working on currently? Do you have any projects coming
1: up, or are you? Taking well, a break? I have been uh, doing a lot to, as far as the book launch. It came out in October, October twenty sixth. So I've been pretty busy with that, and in, in, in all the best ways. I am I am working on a couple of things but I'm also starting I think a sequel <laughs> may be in the work so um, I am starting to work on some stories with some of these same characters and, and giving them an extended. Oh, okay. So they they haven't let go of you, these characters, Cam and Margaret. I know they haven't. They haven't. And the place hasn't either. But I'm also working on um, another book. I think it may be a novella. And it's a set in in an assisted living facility that is shut down because of the pandemic. So I've been working on that, too. Well, something for us to look <laughs> yeah, forward to. I hope so. Hopefully. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Yes, yes. Thank you so much, Jane, for talking to us. We always hope that you get to join us in person sometime. I would love <laughs> to.
1: I love the library system here. We have such a wonderful system. And I, I love, I love libraries. They've been very important in my life and in my life as a reader and as a writer. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Well, we're here for you. If you need if you need any help with your research, we are glad to help. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. It's always good to talk to you.
1: Thank Take you care. very
0: much for the opportunity. Goodness. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you to Jane Moore Waldrup for being our guest. Drown Town is published by Fireside Industries in collaboration with the University Press of Kentucky. A special thank you to our listeners. Drowned Town is currently available for checkout at the Lexington Public Library and for purchase at your local bookstore or online. Thanks for listening to Tales from the Kentucky Room, a podcast brought to you by the Central Library's Kentucky Room staff at the Lexington Public Library. If you enjoyed listening, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you have any questions about local history or genealogy research, you can visit us in the Kentucky Room to use our collection and newspaper microfilm. Or you can email us at elibrarian at lexpublib.org. That's elibrarian at lexpublib.org. I'm Miriam, and we'll be back with another trip down Lexington's memory lane.